Hello, this is Nikki Toyamasito. I'm the executive director of Christians for Social Action and your host for today's episode of 20 Minute Takes. Today, we talk with Leroy Barber. He's the executive director of Neighborhood Economics, an organization that looks at the connection between racial justice and local economic systems. They pull together different groups to take a holistic view at the good of the neighborhood. Leroy shares with us some of his insights, having been a pastor, having worked with Christian nonprofits, and now as the executive director of Neighborhood Economics. And he challenges us to see the different ways that Christians can show up in the neighborhood for good. Join us on this episode. Well, Leroy Barber, thank you so much for taking time to join us today on 20 Minute Takes. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, since you started your leadership role over at Neighborhood Economics, I have been dying to have you here on the podcast because it sounds like the work that you're doing, the people that you are gathering to answer some pretty challenging questions, but I think in pretty creative ways around racial justice, around economic systems, about around proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just so fascinated. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you all are trying to do through Neighborhood Economics? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the big picture is looking at history and seeing the lack of resource that have been connected to local communities, especially uh, communities of color, poor communities, mm-hmm. where the economic viability has been has been missing, and, and for many reasons, right? Uh, and so looking at that history and going, well, we'd like to step in, right, and connect people to bring resource to places that historically have not received those resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and those being economic, right? And so those mm-hmm. leaning into things like housing and the things, looking at redlining, looking at uh, some of these historic things and going, well, how do we do that differently? And mm-hmm. who's doing it differently? And how do we bring you know, high finance world together with practitioners, right? And foundations and impact investors and philanthropists with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, community developers and people working on the ground and mom and pop shops and entrepreneurs locally and and, so f- and that synergy. Yeah. yeah. The folks on the ground who kind of really know what's going on, mm-hmm. who are probably some of the best leaders on what the next step should be. Right. Everybody expects them to be in their neighborhoods and in their communities. Right? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Can you give us an example of of what it means in a particular city? Of mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, this this part of the history is still living on today. This is the mm-hmm. impact of that today. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. So, uh, neighborhood economics started in 2014, and they had had a really good relationship with a few cities, and Cincinnati being one. Okay. Uh, where they've had a convening and event and brought together folks. And so uh, after those meetings, at Cincinnati particularly, a group uh, formed that began to train and uh, help support uh, entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs, to start businesses, mm-hmm. um, enhance the businesses in their communities, things like that. And so that's kind of the lead behind of the gatherings. And so 
Cincinnati, Indianapolis, um, the Baltimore area have been, uh, we've been in Jackson, Mississippi. So we necessarily don't have all the funds, right? We're not a funder, but uh-huh. we're a convener. We bring, yeah. bring the folks together. And you pulled together a pretty interesting group of people, folks in a room that aren't often in the same room. Can you tell us a little bit about who is in the room and why you think that conversation is important? So this is this is a really interesting at an event in Jackson. We had uh, uh, someone from the New York Fed, uh-huh. David Erickson, come and speak at an event with local pastors, and in, in the South, black you know it's still kind of highly black and white kind of yes. settings, right? And so speaking to a room, half of which were local black pastors and leaders and talking about his work at the Fed, right? Normally you don't have that, right? You don't right. have someone from from the Fed, you know, setting interest rates and all that they do, uh, with a local pastor who's trying to figure out how to put more housing in their in their neighborhood in their community. Right. Yeah. And so things like that happen at, at, at our at our convening. That's that's amazing. I love that because I feel like um the folks on the ground understand the personal and are engaged and affected by the systemic. And then mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like these investors, philanthropists, they think about the systemic, but they don't necessarily have that touch point on the ground. So it just seems like it's a great conversation. Yeah. I think of you as a person who mm-hmm. loves the city. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you see God doing in cities and through cities? What inspires you or, or what is it that kind of drives you to be this neighborhood person? Hmm. Well, I, I think the my history is very local. Um, growing up in Philadelphia, literally it's a block, right? Like, uh-huh. It's uh-huh. not even like wide neighborhood all the time. It's 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 like people on your block. And yeah. and and that block uh was very communal, very supportive. From block parties to jobs to street cleanups to uh, uh, and 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 everything in between, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so that that is kind of a part of my shaping, uh-huh. and and I think it's the shaping in, in general of communities of color, black communities that had to do had to be communal, right? Yes, we had yes. to think about how to do it together in order That's for it right. to happen. Yeah, and I think that's somewhere lost, but somewhere coming back and gaining steam. A lot of people are talking about proximity and place, right, mm-hmm. and local economies and and those kind of things, because that's that's where the support mechanisms are going to come from strongest, in my opinion. Oh, totally, totally. What are some of the ways that you've seen the church be a really good neighbor? Um, you wrote a book on the beloved community and. And being a good neighbor as kind of this Christian calling, what are some of the ways that you've seen the church be a good neighbor in the communities that they're part of? And what are some of the ways that you've seen the church or Christians have their good intentions maybe go not as they intended? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll, I'll start with the good. I think the, the churches that recognize that they are a part of the public square, right, that they mm-hmm. are a part of... Mm-hmm a economic system, a social system, right, that is for everyone there, right? And Mm. churches that recognize that see themselves as part of that ecosystem and not 
the ecosystem, right? Oh, and so interesting. Yeah. So uh-huh. somewhere in, in our theological space, right, the church has got an attitude of like, we are the answer to the entire world, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so um, if people don't come through here or through our ways or through our our beliefs, then they, you know, they, they, they're missing out. Right. Right. And and what that leads to in practice is that churches many times don't make good partners if you think you are if you are always the main partner. Right. Wow. Um, Yeah. And that and that that's problematic. But that posture of recognizing, oh, actually, I'm only a part, Mm -hmm. but of this ecosystem that is the public square. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and we exist for all human beings. Right. Uh, And. Uh, and our our work and our message and our lives, practically and the- theologically, should fit that posture, and and that makes for really good neighbors. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, how, what would you say to folks? Because I hear this a lot, where folks are like, "Well, Jesus said, you know, give to Caesar what Caesar's." You know, that's sort of this way that the church or Christians sort of think about their economics mm-hmm. somewhat separately. Um, from their faith journey. I think you might tie, you know, sort of personal practices of it. But what is it that you think that Christians need to understand about the invitation that God might have or or how Christians should respond? Like, if do folks ever say, oh, isn't that sort of a political thing? Like, that's not a church thing? Well, well here's the thing. I don't know anything more communal than than. Uh, for me, my my faith walk and my mm. journey as mm-hmm. as a person of faith, as a believer, as a pastor, any of those things, all yeah. called for me deeply living into community, mm-hmm. right? Whether mm-hmm. it's my prayer life, whether it's yes. going to church, whether it's my kids at youth group, whether it's you know all of these things are communal endeavors. Yes, the yes. only thing. That that is not is my money, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I tithe what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't tell people what I make for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I keep all of this all of this economic stuff private, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 becomes problematic. The the most communal thing I might do is put money into the offering plate. Ah, right? interesting, right? Right, but my money is my business, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I I am not sure that fits the entirety of our faith walk. That, that carve out isn't in there. It's not a yeah. Christian carve out. You don't think? <laughs> right, 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 right. This place is just me, myself, my my family, my investments, my whatever. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, leave that alone. And I and I and I think that is that that. That has to affect other other our other thoughts about money, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that this, this may be more than you want, but like the other ways is how we set up giving, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if I'm a philanthropist or I'm a mm-hmm. part of a foundational world or any of those things, I give according to what I want to see and do. That's right? true. Right. Right. right? What I think is good or what the organization has to meet my 10 things for me to mm-hmm. give money to it, as opposed to they might know better what works in their community and how 
how to how to collectively use that resource. But it's mm. dictated from an individual perspective. This foundation or yeah. this philanthropist or this right, like and, yeah. and I think that's problematic. Like we're not it's not congruent. Right. Well, what I hear, even as you're describing it, I'm hearing power is retained mm-hmm. by the by the giver, the philanthropist, the person with the money to sort of, and I see that, I see that dynamic all the time, right? Folks on the ground trying to make their, uh, their work, their programs to kind of go into pretzels mm-hmm. in order to make it fit these priorities to kind of like, you know, what's the thing that's going to turn that on? What do you imagine is a new way or what do you imagine is a way that does have more congruence with what, how you understand? Mm-hmm gospel community yeah one of the things that we've been working on in neighborhood economics is what what we call a catacat fund and it's basically a fund where um anyone can buy into right mm-hmm. and everyone gets a voice right okay. so um if you put 25 dollars into this fund you get to say and or vote on or however that process goes locally okay. for the projects that that get funded from that space right mm-hmm. so so local folks get voice in that and uh, mm. determining what happens with funding mm. and I think those types of things are things that'll help you know, solidify and bring a little more life and community to the work, right? Yeah, because yeah. because local folks living it have an equal voice as everyone else, and so um, I, we got to get back to that. And I, and people have played with that political or this socialism or any of these types of things. I I I, I just think it's faithful following of of creator, right? Like I think, yeah, I think yeah. many faith communities can, can begin to live into that. Yeah. Well, I love, as you're describing that, I'm seeing what you're saying about how we normally think of our money and our economics as a private individualized thing. But even that fund that you're describing, it does, it incentivizes like the discernment of the community together, right? Everyone gets this voice, yeah. this vote. And, and it, it also kind of upsets some of the capitalistic competitiveness mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. is that something that is it an idea that's incubating or is it something that you all have have launched it's it's an idea it's it's both right it's it's very aspirational yeah. but it's also started on a small scale and so we yeah. want to build we want to build that out as here is a here is here is a way after these convenings that we have a neighborhood, neighborhood economics for for that work to carry on as we br- have brought people together. Yeah. No, I love what you're doing um, because it's both personal and systemic, but it's very, very place-based. Can you tell us a little bit about why pulling everyone together around a very specific place, as opposed to like an issue, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the approach that you all chose? Well, I think, you know, and you alluded to my history, I just think people thrive when they're known, right? Mm, I think yeah. people thrive when they're known. I think accountability is deeper um, when people are next to one another. I think um, socially, when our kids play in the same little league, 
that yes. that there's a different connection point. Um, and I think those connection points are important, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. From the Little League to our school needs a new set of violins, right? Like right. all of it. Yeah. All of that is pushed by, by place and proximity. Right. So then what happens in like this digital age where I feel like people are becoming a little placeless? Yeah, I think the digital age isn't helping um, in one respect, but I think in another is offers local places ways to kind of get involved in the bigger world, right? Ah, that's true. And so if a local community that doesn't have access and resource can use technology and, and the digital world to learn, to find out about who else around the world is doing this, how we solve yes. problems together. So I think it can be used both ways, but you still, you know, that basic kind of, we live in the same place. We go to the same schools. We work close together. All of those things are, are, yes. uh, are important. Yes. No, I love that. I love that. Um, Leroy, what do you hope that Christians understand about the connection or also the things that aren't connected related to racial justice and economics, especially in the U.S. context? I think, obviously, when we talk economics, there's no way around a racial justice piece Mm. or conversation, right? Mm. Um, That if you don't have those types of conversations, you're going to be hard-pressed to get to the core of our problems, right? Mm -hmm. And But I think that can be done in creative ways. I think Mm -hmm. we can figure out a way to talk about race and justice and history. My core is that I I think where there are relational connection points are places to start, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, because it's going to, it takes a trust, right, to go, okay, like we need to talk about why this particular place in our city or this particular neighborhood mm-hmm. with these particular people struggle yeah. more than across town. Yes. Right? Right. And we got to have that. If you don't have that conversation, you're never going to solve the problem. Right. Oh, and so, yeah. Yeah. and those conversations are based in, in race. Yes. Um, as a Christian, how does that inform the work you do and how you do it? I think I want to be a person of faith that lives and works and thinks about all of humanity at all the time, Hmm. right? That I don't Hmm. want to think about my church. Hmm. I don't want to think Mm -hmm. about like in a vacuum, people who just claim Jesus. I don't want Mm -hmm. to like, um, while I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus. I want that to be a part of the bigger bigger uh-huh. work and a bigger, yes. bigger human experience in life. Yes. Yeah. And so I want to put my belief in Jesus in the public square as a person who is helping um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and helping everybody flourish. I love that. Uh, I think I'm coming to that. Uh, yeah. I think I am there. I'm not coming to it, but it's hard to explain. No, no, it's, I I think it's really clear. I I think it's, it's pretty compelling to, it's not just to think of the flourishing of your own church or your own particular community, but in a way you're kind of carrying your faith 
for the flourishing of the neighborhood. And I don't know, that to me really resonates with what I understand the gospel to be. Um, Leroy Barber, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of 20 Minute Takes. Oh, Nikki, thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much. Twenty Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. Our music was created by Andre Henry, and this episode was mixed and engineered by Willowza Media. If you like this episode, spread the word by subscribing, reviewing, or sharing. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito. If you want to find out more about our work, visit the website at christiansforsocialaction.org.